This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. As of right now, we are at war. You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more. Like the battles that we never could. Welcome to Fury's Finest, podcast about a discussion of Marvel Christ Protocol in the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Bruffett. How are you doing today, Chris? Jesse, it's a good day. We finally got some news and some reveals on the MCP front. It's true. You know, it's been it's it's slower than we are used to. Still getting used to this new pace and cadence, and it's a little difficult. But it's been three and a half years of Fast and Furious pace. Of, so of, yeah, just neck break speeds, and now it's breathing. But at the same time, you know, I'm a little little ADHD. I gotta we gotta keep that we gotta keep that hype up. Yeah, and the hype is very real. The hype is real for Cosmic Ghost Rider, and I That's know. Right. I know we will likely catch a little bit of flack for saying, yeah, man, he looks great because not everybody's feeling that way. But mm-hmm. look, dude. It's every model in this game. That is sure. But at first, I did not like him. And you can see me kind of go through this this evolution, not so much in public discords, but in a couple of private chats of I, you know, I don't like him. It's just killing. It's just dice. But no, it's more than that. It's it is a lot of offensive dice. It's a lot of movement. It's a lot of repositioning and the challenge of building a team around him with his psychosis limitations. And and for those that haven't seen yet, he most of the game, he will be unable to contest or hold objectives, but not all of the time. But yeah, most importantly, guaranteed round one. Yes, guaranteed round one. It's not like he can get a certain amount of power and, you know, body slide by three and pick up a Senator or something, you know, like great round one. Point. Great. So point. They, they definitely future proof that, but yeah, we're going to cover him more in our next news segment. Obviously we'll do our deep dive, but I'm very high on cosmic ghostwriter. Cause I think uh, he's, he's a favorite modern Marvel character of mine. He's just fun. 
he's just one of those characters. And I also like Frank Castle more than Johnny Blaze. I've said it out loud. It's been spoken into the world. Wow, weird. They're similar but different, but I like the concept of Frank Castle being Ghost Rider. It's just very interesting. It's well, Johnny, very interesting. Johnny Blaze is kind of a jerk, right? He used to be, at least. You know, they've jumped around on his character. Sure, but sure. Frank being the spirit of vengeance, I mean, there's never been a clearer picture of some of an interesting thing a, to, a to more pursue. vengeful. Yeah, that's true. But what I was going to say about Cosmic Ghost Rider real quick, just to wrap up my point on about him on the tabletop. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about theory crafting with him because I think that limit he brings so much to the table with a rather large limitation that team building around him can potentially be very, very interesting and fun. Well, absolutely. And let's also factor into he's a sixth threat and we don't have many of those in the game. And every time we bring those in, the math changes, the the structure of your squad changes. You got to look at those lower threat objectives and how threatening is this character on those 15s and et cetera. And I think in, in Guardian Seat, that's going to be a very real thing. And we'll, we'll definitely see the right route it goes. But I'm just completely enamored with his mobility and his consistency. But at the end of the day, he could just be a sixth threat nebula, you know, and that's not necessarily I'm saying good or bad. I'm just saying that's a fact. So the fact that he's a sixth threat, hard hitting nebula, harder hitting nebula because nebula hits hard. Interesting path they've never pursued in the game thus far. It's going to be really fun to see how he develops. I'm pretty excited about it. Even if he turns out to be a dud on the competitive scene, I still think there is plenty that this model offers this game in general. And I, for the record, I do not think he will be a complete dud on the competitive scene. He's already perked my ears so much more than classic Ghost Rider because he has displacement. Yep. And that auto incinerates. I I was just thinking about that with, you know, pairing that with cable and, even uh, more recently, the original Human Torch. Think about getting more incinerates on the board to just power him up. Could be a really fun kitchen table game. Burn, baby, burn. Let's go all in on it. Yeah, man. Yeah, Cosmic Ghost Rider. He's just a really cool character in Marvel canon. So I'm excited to see we get more of his cards, where he lands on what teams. going to be very interesting. And the impact he has on the game. But I mean, just like these other big characters in the game. He'll now be an ever-present threat that you've got to think about that you could face one day, right? And how you're going to deal with all that damage coming at you. And that's really interesting. Yeah, I just think his design is impeccable still. I'm still just enamored with the design of the character. And that's really it. I mean, flying through space on that bike. Come on. He's here, man. Don't don't know what else to tell you. Oh, he's here. And also, Schick revealed on the stream that he does have a helmet option. So I oh, went fantastic. from like... 90% excitement to 100% excitement because mm-hmm. that's the only thing that was missing for me. Hype level's unbearable at this point. Yeah, it's Helmet Club all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love it, man. I love it. But yeah, Space Helmet, Ghost Rider, what are your thoughts on him? Let us know. And we'll cover him very soon in the news segments in the future. But today we are not talking news and we're not talking Ghost Rider anymore. We're returning to S.H.I.E.L.D. In fact, kind of closing out S.H.I.E.L.D., Chris. We have a couple more members on the horizon, but those are multi-affiliation people. So this is the end of our pure shield content. And what do you know? We saved one of the original members for last. Steve Rogers, Captain America, classic World War II cap. This is very exciting. Aggressive cap. Yeah, that's right. Well, Jesse, before we get there, though, we have to take care of a little bit of business. Fury's Finest is supported by Mr. Laser. Go to mr-laser.square.site for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol needs. Of course, our patrons support us 
at patreon.com slash Furious Finest. If you enjoy the show and would like to join our Discord community and be a part of the greater Furious Finest world, definitely check out the Patreon tiers. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. This week, we want to send a very special shout out to Alexander. Alexander, thank you so much for becoming a patron. Thank you, Alexander. And of course, we could not do this show without our Avenger producers, Rusty, Dylan, Rich, Puyan, and Sean. Thank you, Avengers. Thank you, Avengers. All right, Chris, let's move into Steve Rogers, Captain America lore. And I'm very excited about this. Let's get going. Well, speaking of Avengers, Jesse, we got to talk about the main one, the guy, the first Avenger, right? And unfortunately, there's not any real modern day shield comics I wanted to cover that we're going to kind of encapsulate uh, old school cap as well. So what I did was Mm -hmm. I, I decided, and as you know, listener, when we cover a a character the second time around, we're going to talk more in depth about a specific story. And a lot of times this is just an excuse for me to talk about a comic I really love. And this week is no exception. This week, we're going to be talking about Invaders, Volume 3, written by Chip Zdarsky, penciled by Carlos Magno and Butch Guse, first appearing in January of 2019. This is a very much recent comic. This comic Mm. happened on the lead up to War of the Realms in the much-heralded Jason Aaron Thor run. But the fun thing is, this is this is classic invaders, right? We, this is kind of like that we did in that first cap episode, right? With the Brewbaker stuff. Bingo. It's pulling from old canon, it's adding more to it, it's doing it modern. It's adding a lot to it, as a yeah. matter of fact. The invaders being we've talked about them through this shield series quite a bit, but the invaders being a World War II team comprised of Captain America, Bucky Barnes. This is this is kid Bucky. This is young sidekick Bucky, right? Yep. The original Human Torch, Jim Hammond. Yep. And Namor. Uh, later on, we would see characters such as uh, the Wizard Toro. Toro is going to play a small part in this uh, Invaders Volume Three, but the team would grow. But the team's never really, really taken off. It's it's been a, a it's been a team that we've seen nodded to many times but as we've talked about multiple times on this show marvel is really trying to kind of make what is old new again lately try to freshen some things up try to see what's going to stick and resonate culturally and because of this we got one of my favorite writers writing a very interesting team absolutely yeah and it's cool to return to cap chris touching on what you just did a little bit ago kind of insane for the history of our show because we're, we're over 150 episodes in now, and we did Cap right at the beginning and the yeah, first man. few episodes of Fury's Finest. So not only is this our second iteration of Cap, Steve Rogers, to do on the show, our third iteration of Cap and in general on the show to do, but it's been a long time since we did Cap's lore and strategy. Well, this lore is, is not going to be the same as normal, as I said, but we are going to touch a little bit on World War II Cap and some of the things they went through. But a lot of this book, a lot of the reason I chose this book, not only is Chip Zdarsky, it's new, it's fun, but this is a lot of Namor lore too. I mean, Namor is on the way, right? If the Fantastic Four are on the way, Namor is on the way. And that's just how it is. This is a Marvel game. We'll get him eventually. And really setting up this dynamic relationship between Captain America and Namor 
is something I'm kind of excited to do. Without further ado, Jesse, we're going to have to hop into this one. I am not going to give you guys everything here. I genuinely, my goal for this episode is for you to go read this 12 issue run. It is not a difficult read. It is not a long read. It is on Unlimited. It's out there. It's very fun. It's not life-changing. It's not the best that comics has to offer, but it's very fun, especially if you like these characters. And the little bit of setup I'm going to have to give you going into this, just not much, thankfully, is that we are fresh off of the heels of Namor and his Atlantean forces attacking an illegal Roxxon whaling ship. Of course, Roxxon Energy Corporation is one of the big bads in Marvel Comics. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is led by a man that never takes off his sunglasses unless he's transformed into a minotaur, leading an evil megacorporation. That's very interesting. A lot of story opportunities. Anyway, this illegal whaling vessel was more than likely, i.e. 100%, a trap to lure Namor anyway, to try to set something up. And it worked. Uh, the, the whaling vessel was loaded down with some pretty heavily armed folks who would defeat and kill the Atlantean forces, uh, sending Namor into a bit of a rage as he is wont to do. So he kind of killed them all in return. This of course sparked an international crisis which will kind of put us where we are going to open up here. But first we have to go back to the war. We're going to open with a flashback to World War II. This flashback is going to set the stage on a personal, on a micro level. We've set the stage macro. This flashback is going to set the stage to to really let us know what Namor is dealing with almost this entire 12-issue run. And what we're going to experience here is the loss of a soldier named Tommy Macklin. Tommy would be gunned down by a Nazi gun emplacement. Uh, Namor was unable to save him. He would pass in Namor's arms. Why this is important is a few a few reasons. It, Namor's immortal. Seeing this, one of the few human mortals that Namor had ever cared about in his life pass away in his arms was troublesome for him. This is a man that is used to being able to literally do almost anything he wants at any time he wants. It was no different during World War II. This is a man who believes in his own superiority, truly believes he is a God amongst men. So not being able to save the one human he wanted to save was very tough. And he spiraled and he never properly mourned Tommy Macklin. After this flashback, we're going to see Namor being confronted about this this, this killing of the whaling uh, vessel workers by Captain America. And it's going to set up the Steve versus Namor head-to-head that's Mm -hmm. kind of going to go on. They're going to work for each other and against each other this entire series. So now... We're going we're gonna to talk a lot about uh, issue one here, and then it's going to get into more vagaries. So just, just hang with me, folks. Now we're going to get the human torch. He is going to go speak with Sergeant Randall Peterson. Sergeant Peterson, of course, we touched on, kind of led the invaders during World War II. He was, he was their commanding officer. Uh, the human torch, Jim Hammond, is going to go. He's trying to put together a book about the invaders to remember everything. 
properly because it turns out even a life model decoy has a brain that is not entirely trustworthy like any other human. Sergeant Peterson is unfortunately on his deathbed. He is surrounded by his family, lives uh, off the coast of the sea. Peterson and his family were very close with Namor after the war and had continued to be one of the few human families that Namor really kept up with or ever bothered with. Peterson is going to hand Hammond, the original Human Torch, a scrapbook. The scrapbook is very important because it has some pictures from when Namor was suffering from amnesia. This is some way back stuff in Marvel, but these pictures were not supposed to get out and would lead to a thread that does not need to be tugged. Of course, Jim Hammond is going to tug on that thread. So throughout this issue, we have been seeing Namor's kind of assistant, uh, maybe his right hand, if you will, Mm. uh, throughout the issue. Uh, And at the end of this issue, it is going to be kind of revealed that as Namor is talking to this person, others around cannot see him. So immediately we have got a kind of a fight club situation going on. We have a figment of Namor's imagination. We don't know how it got there talking to him and helping Mm. him and, and implanting ideas. We don't know exactly who it is, but we do know it is revealed uh, beginning of issue two, the name of this entity or person or figment of imagination, the side of Namor, whatever it may be is Macklin, the last name of the soldier that died so many years ago in world war two, Tommy, the one that he's just never ever mourned or properly sent off. Although, now Macklin presents as fully Atlantean, blue skin, everything, dresses, uh, Atlantean, all of it. So we're going to go into issue two and what is going to be revealed. And this is actually a pretty major part of Namor lore. This is, this is a big deal. He did suffer amnesia for a while and kind of wander the earth. During that time, it is revealed here, retconned, if you want to go that way, that Charles Xavier stumbled upon Namor at some point during this amnesia spell. And to help to help Namor get past this, Charles would kind of get permission to go into Namor's mind and see what's going on. And he would discover this, this grief, this unresolved grief for Tommy Macklin. But time was an issue, Jesse. Uh, is mm. Xavier was pressed and also still new at this. This is the 60s, 70s-ish. They're, they're not... right full-fledged, we've seen it all, superheroes, they're still learning. So Xavier kind of embodies this grief, embodies Macklin, embodies this, what Namor thought of, all Namor's feelings towards Tommy, and and gave them a personification in Namor's head so that Namor could more easily cope with the loss of Tommy. Well, all these years later, Tommy is now Macklin. And Macklin has got his own game he is playing, and Namor will slowly realize that through the course of this 12-issue run. We're going to get a lot of fun standoffs, a lot of big implications throughout this run. We're going to get Tony Stark and Captain America butting heads like we all love to see. We're going to see Namor and Captain America trusting each other, but not anyone else So it's going to lead to some very interesting things. We're going to see guys get burned as far as who they trust. We're going to see a lot of different, a lot of different cameos 
a lot of different Avengers are going to show up through here. Xavier's going to show up through here. We're going to tussle with a lot of different ideas throughout this run. We're going to really kind of dissect what is friendship, what is a team, when does your loyalty to that team or friendship stop, how far is too far. We're going to get matters of statecraft even to to really think about macro versus micro level thinking on top of the whole rocks on thing. Uh, we're going to have some, we're going to have immigration issues to, to talk about in this, in this whole thing. It gets pretty wild guys. And like I said, I'm not here to give you this whole run. I want you to read it. Of course. That's the point of these sections where we return to a character like this, right? And, and hyper-focus on a run like this. Absolutely. I don't, I don't feel like we can go too far too much farther with this one without giving too much away. Maybe we can talk about it in depth on After Dark or something like that sometime. If you guys would wish, please let us know. So Jesse, is there anything on your mind about this this talk? Is there anything that you wish to have fleshed out before maybe diving into this run yourself? Well, without giving too many spoilers and stuff, but like, what is Classic Cap's main role in this? Since we're focusing on him, I know most of the discussion has been on Namor because the plot <laughs> resolves around Namor and the story. Namor is kind of the mover and the shaker of the plot and Cap, like Cap always is, baby. He is that unmovable rock of, of trust and doing mm-hmm. the right thing. So original Cap is going to play into this very heavily in this sense. Through these flashbacks, we're going to establish that Cap ain't changed, man. He's still Jenny from the block, dude. That's he right. Is, he is still blindly loyal to his friends. He still has an impeccable sense of character Mm -hmm. he has an impeccable sense of doing the right thing consequences be darned yeah cap is going to factor in in that way that he always does just the most impeccable leadership and it's going to be on display in these flashbacks the way he deals with problems his outlook i mean really his whole worldview will be laid bare before you through these Mm. flashbacks and how he just talks about how to handle this situation, how he advocates for Namor or even fights Namor. Um, It's, it is really a push and pull for cap this whole 12 issue series. He's fighting, he's fighting his friends more than he's fighting his enemies because of a situation, his enemies both known and unknown uh, engineered very, very willingly and uh, purposefully. And it's, I think it's just a wonderful exploration on how to deal with these things. Uh, it's very interesting to put yourself in the shoes of Cap and Bucky and, and things like this. Is this the right call? Is, is Tony right here? Do I agree with Tony Iron Man that maybe they're trusting Namor too much? Or it's just a fascinating exercise to me. And that's part of what makes comic books and just stories in general fun is putting yourself in those shoes kind of take into account what has happened to these characters and seeing what you think, what would you do? What would you say? What, how would you write it possibly? Mm. It's just, it's very fun. Yeah. It's it's also great to hear that cap is still cap. He is the stalwart paragon of lawfulness, even to his detriment sometimes. Right. I think one of Chip Zdarsky's strong points as a writer is getting characters correct, not just in their actions or in their dialogue, but how he presents them even. Well, I'd like to go back to his Daredevil run yes. uh, recently. He uses Spider-Man. Of course, Daredevil, Spider-Man are both 
New York heroes, uh, Daredevil more focused on Hell's Kitchen, but Spider-Man has to come in a few times as both an ally and an adversary for Daredevil and the gravitas with which Zdarsky presents Spider-Man in these situations, because in this situation, he is the superpowered individual literally could crush your head with his fingers, Mm -hmm. you know, great responsibility. He is the ultimate New York superhero. He's presented as this and in Daredevil's, of course, this is Daredevil's perspective, right? So he's being presented as this just force that I can do nothing about, but I still have to impose my will here somehow. And it's just, it's so very good. And Chip, Chip does that very well with Namor. He characterizes Bucky incredibly through this run. You really learn about the original Human Torch's temperament and what matters to him through this run. And, and it's just it's just Chip being Chip, man. He's, he's really, really good. Yeah, he is. Peter Parker, always holding back. 100%. Which is great. But yeah, you also recommended this series in our Human Torch episode not yes. terribly long ago because it is so pivotal to his story as well. So it makes sense that we're, we returned here time and time again, and we're seeing Cap, the leader he is, the good person he is. And also the fact that this is, you know, more that uh, in the past Marvel content, you know, it's just not common for us like to do this far back on the show because right. there's really not that much stuff this far back. And we, we deal a lot in origin stories mm-hmm. on this show. We deal a lot in the, very accepted and famous history of characters and, and kind of bringing everyone up to speed in a generalized way. Yeah. We characters. did that very thing on our first cap yeah. episode. And reading this is a really fun exercise in seeing how all of these generalizations kind of hold true in an actual story, well fleshed out, you know, year long story, 12 issues represents a year in comic books. So, yep. You know, it's not a super, super long thing to read, but it does represent quite a bit of time in the comic book industry, and it represents these characters all very well. Excellent. Well, closing out, Laura, real quick, we've already done our Cap MCU discussion in our Cap episode. The quick version of this for this version of Cap we have today, there's only one movie, Chris. It's Captain America, the first Avenger, the first Captain America movie, because it is Cap in the 1940s, working with the Helling Commandos. We've referenced it many times in the S.H.I.E.L.D. series, and I'll, and I'll continue to reference it because it's the most pinpoint thing we have of this era, quite honestly, and that's that's basically it. <laughs> other than that, we don't really have any other content from the 40s and the MCU other than, you know, sends some flashbacks and stuff. But, you know, closing out this section, like you always do, Chris, what's all the information on this comic book recommendation, which is going to be a little more laser-focused today? Right. This is Invaders Volume 3. 2019 is going to be the year it is published. Mm-hmm. And and uh, as we established, it was written by Chip Zdarsky and drawn by Carlos Magno and Butch Juice. All right. Very good. Very clear cut. Definitely check that out. I know I certainly am. And this will be a fun way to kind of end our S.H.I.E.L.D. series is like you reading this, you know, by yourself and getting some uh, Invaders time. I wish it was... Shield, but I, I kind of feel like Shield and Invaders are kind of wrapped into one in this game. In this game, yeah, it's very akin to an Avengers catch-all or Cabal yeah. catch-all, right? Yeah. Shield's kind of a catch-all of a lot of the World War II content, and that makes a lot of sense. Just how Hydra is a catch-all of a lot of the early Cabal World War II characters and content, Correct. right? So, but we got to move on to Steve Rogers, Captain America in strategy. This is going to be a funny bit, Chris. His name is Steve Rogers, Captain America, and his alter ego is Steve Rogers. If you, uh, Not very alter, huh? 
If it was unclear, yeah, not very altered. This is uh, Steve is loud and proud, and everybody knows who he is in this format. And you know, it's it's interesting from a AMG standpoint. They they specifically named him this way to not be indirect confrontation and conflict with the other two Captain Americas we have thus far, which are of course Captain America Steve Rogers Corset and Captain America Sam Wilson. So it's funny though that his Steve Rogers is in his name. So going through his stats, he is a four threat character. His defenses are four physical, four energy, and three mystic. He's a size two on a small base, and he moves medium. And his stamina is six on his healthy side and five on his injured side. Any thoughts, Chris? Five on his injured side is a little scary. We'll talk about why, why it's scary, but it's weird. I like it, but he is Avengers Cap flipped. So Avengers Cap has five on the front and six on the back. We know why he has six on the back. He can do this all day. He's counting blanks. He's getting really scary. But inversely, gameplay-wise, six on the front is usually better. Now, we'll get the obvious out of the way. This cap is less tanky than the Avengers cap, and that's a design choice. So it is good that he has six on the front, at least, to help him because he is less tanky. But, you know, his defenses are respectable. Yes, four, four, three. You love to see a four energy defense, especially right now. Big, big yeah. energy attacks are very in vogue at the moment. Mm-hmm. So you love to see that. Yep. Yeah, otherwise, it's it's kind of, he looks like a four threat. Jumping off what Chris said with that four energy, four physical, four energy, he's pretty good at pay to flips. Absolutely. He can cover both pay to flips that are currently in the game. And I don't know if we'll ever get a mystic pay to flips. So he can do all the pay to flips right now. Very cool. But let's get into his attacks and superpowers and kind of get a better understanding of this character with his 11 stamina. His first attack is a physical attack called Stars and Stripes Strike. Very cool. It's range three, strength of five, power cost of zero. Of course, since it is a strike, you will get power equal to the damage dealt to your opponent. And on an interesting trigger, an interesting and difficult trigger, a wild and block, you will trigger flurry. After this attack is resolved, this character may make a Stars and Stripes attack. This additional attack does not have the flurry special rule. So a couple things to know in mind with the flurry. You just get to make another strike. Doesn't even have to be on the same target. Very nice. Very versatile. Though, you know, a little bit of real world MCP competitive creeping in here. This is the new wording that Medusa has on her flurry because her original flurry was too strong. It was too strong. So it seems that Cap got inadvertently reined in or hurt because of Medusa. And I don't know what chicken or the egg. I don't know. But this is the same wording as hers. And we've seen her flurries happen less, as they should, because it is a wild and a shield to get this flurry. But Chris, a flurry and a strike is insanity because you could just build a lot of power. Well, also, I mean, we're used to flurry or rapid fires on four strength attacks for the most part. So yeah, yeah, yeah. seeing this on a five strength attack with a range of three is pretty awesome. That's, I mean, potentially, I'm just saying, if everything goes right, that's 20 dice in one turn. If you get two stars and stripes with flurries off, yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of strikes, which is excellent because we're going to get to this thing later, but this character needs a lot of power. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. He does. But let's talk about one of the things he's going to need power for. That is his second attack. His spender is a physical attack. I don't like bullies is a range two, strength of seven, power cost of three. On a wild, you will trigger throw after the attack is resolved. If the target character is size three or less, Steve Rogers, Captain America, may throw the target character medium. Medium, I like. 
On a wild and a hit, you will trigger language. After the attack is resolved, the target character gains the stun and slow special conditions. Both killers. I think this is a pretty decent spender. Yep. We've seen spenders just get better and better as the game goes on, and this is absolutely the case. Interesting juxtaposition with our classic cap, like we do in these series when we return to characters. Classic cap has the shield slam spender, range two as well. Only a strength of six, power cost of two. So cost less, lower strength. Auto throws a size three character short. This one's got much bigger swings, Chris. It's got seven dice, but it costs three. If you get a wild, you get to throw a size three character or less medium, which is a Hulk throw. That's insane. I mean, like, obviously Hulk can throw size four, but we know size three or less is most characters in the entire game you can throw. And then giving these conditions through language trigger is very cool. Also, it's not, if you triggered the throw, you probably triggered the language. That's a pretty safe bet, right? Kind of feels like that, right? Hits being really common. It's just probably going to happen, right? But obviously you want the throw the most. But I do like that it's just a better version of Classic Cap's Shield Slam. And I love the name. I love it so much. Yes. It's, it's Classic Cap, like just punching out Hitler, right? That's exactly what this is. And then throwing him away. So huge swing on a bigger character. Yeah, this could uh, this could do a lot. Size three is the vast majority of models in this game yep and i don't know seven dice feels like i don't know the exact math on that but seven dice coupled with what we're about to talk about it's likely you get the wild it feels like it's more than likely you're going to get this throw yeah and so before we move on to these cool superpowers let's talk about these only two attacks we have and the differences with classic cap. So classic cap has the range two strike, right? With the push, very, very strong. Yes. But range two, this cap, I love the lore of this, Chris, that this cap is doing short range shield throws, right? Like, cause he hasn't quite mastered the fly around a building, the right. gravity. Right. But he is doing these like hit you back and forth over and over again. And that's the flurry too, right? It's coming right back to his hands, hitting you again, just to fill out the lore a little bit in your mind when you play him. But also this cap doesn't have the range four shield throw, which obviously is a huge boon on classic Steve, because no matter what, he's throwing that shield and gaining a power because it's a gainer, right? And then he's the opponent's not benefiting from cover. So it's actually a nice tool on certain maps or against certain teams, like my beloved X-Men team. Yep. But also it has a ricochet where you can potentially generate another power and do more damage. So by nature, this cap, it's weird. Classic cap is either short range or long range. And then this cap is kind of just medium range. And, you know, that's something to think about, especially before we talk about this next superpower that I'm getting into right now. What do you know? We did Sam Wilson recently, and this is perfect. It's an active superpower called On Your Left. Costs two power. If this character is not holding the objective token, some nice future-proofing here, Cap may advance medium. The superpower can only be used once per turn. Now, this is actually better than charge, right? This is better than hit and run because you don't have to do a sequence of events that have to play out, right? You could move, move, on your left, move, right? You could... On your left, attack, attack. You could, yeah. on your left, attack, move back, right? You could do a lot of different sequences of things that give you more versatility than a charge would or a hit and run would. So it's a more versatile version of those. Cost you power as it should. It's very powerful, but you can't hold an objective token, which obviously is a difficult thing in the camp for the versatility of this to balance out. Of course, you can hold an objective while you charge or hit and run. I mean, it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely a good thing. 
you could just win we, the game, right? You could like well, move, move, yeah. move. We all lived through that that time during yep. this game. We've gone through that already, and I'm glad we're not there right now. The one senator, yeah, <laughs> just move, yeah. move, and move him in the corners, run away, and just live in the corners. Yeah, not fun. But this helps you get to grab that senator or get to somewhere and then punch them to get that senator. So it's a little bit better. Yeah, you just have to use it before. Exactly. Just use it before you pick up the objective. It's good. Uh, Mobility on a character like this is fantastic. Being able to keep both of his attack actions intact while getting somewhere is huge because this is an aggressive character. The reason you're taking him over the old cap or original to MCP cap is he's throwing more dice. He is more of an attrition piece. So yes, and more mobile. So it's just, you know, different flavor. Yeah. This, this caps more of a, a solo, right? And the other cap is a, a team player, right? Cause yeah, really he, the other cap is giving you bodyguards. He's giving you the Avengers leadership and that's his main role. Everything else is just icing on that cake. So this cap is doing his own thing. He's getting to where he needs to be and hopefully he's blowing people up. Hopefully. Well, let's talk about something that helps him blow people up, and that is his first reactive superpower. It's I've knocked out tyrants over 200 times. It's going to cost you three power. While Steve Rogers' Captain America is attacking, during the modified dice step of the attack, Cap may use this superpower. Cap may reroll any number of its attack dice. This superpower may be used once per turn. This is very nice. You do not have to choose to use it before the attack starts, which is a huge boon in and of itself. 100%. The fact that this happens during the modified dice step is huge because it's bad roll. Okay, I'm just doing it all over again. Yeah, it's like bad roll. I'm going to do my other modify things before this, right? And see what I get. I'm going to use Cable's Wetworks to see if I get right. a wild, right? Okay, now I got a wild off Cable's Wetworks. I don't want to use this. But Chris, reroll all is insane right of course you can't reroll skulls because that is a game state thing but this is giving your making your stars and stripes extremely efficient this is making your i don't like bullies get its triggers guaranteed almost so very powerful but very expensive it is it is very pricey but i do want to just point out reroll any number of its attack dice it does not you do not have to pick up every one of your dice yeah yeah you can leave the one or two hits you already have or, or what have you you know it's it's nice. We know how the dice go in this game sometimes, and, and getting this many rerolls can just really create a sense of cons- consistency for the character. And like Chris said, you can see what you have before you choose to spend this much power on an ability. But I do like that once his stars and stripes get really going, Chris, if, if he has a first, if he has a couple strikes early on that do go well with some flurries, oh, yeah. you can get an economy going where you can be spending this a lot throughout a game. And a lot of that's early game luck with your dice. But if you get a little bit of the early game luck or your opponent's kind of pepper cap, they got to be careful because you're not afraid to dump all his power every time he goes, quite honestly. And we're going to get into his last superpower, which is more dumping of power. It's his last and final reactive superpower and final superpower on his card. It's the Vibranium Shield. What do you know? We've seen it many times. Cost two power. When cap is targeted by a physical or energy attack, he may use the superpower. Add two dice to this character's defense roll against the attack. Keep in mind, doesn't if you're new to the game, doesn't help you with dodges at all, but does make the that physical and energy defense up to six, which is absolutely amazing. But 
I'll burst the bubble while we're here. This cap's not going to have power to do his vibranium shields. Yeah. If you're playing him right. And what I mean, if you're playing him right is I think you want to do on your left as much as possible, right? Because in theory, he always needs to be double tapping with his strikes, like Chris has said, so he can maybe approach that 15 or 20 dice off in a turn, right? And when he approaches that 15 or 20 dice, then you can set up future turns where you can do I don't like bullies with the knocking out tyrants rerolls. Now you're removing models. Now you're displacing them. And then, you know, if you got power left over, you can use Vibranium Shield. But it's just one of those things that unless you're holding an extract, you know, your power is better used on his other abilities, quite honestly, right? I mean, that makes sense because I'm assuming that if they're kind of focusing Steve Rogers, Captain America down, you might have won already. Yeah. There's not ever going to be a team assembled where he is the shining star of the team, right? He's an ancillary piece, this particular character. And most of the characters in this game are. So if you get your opponent really focusing him down because he's just throwing too many dice, he's just getting too much, too many on your lefts off and he's just everywhere on the board. Well, I feel like you've kind of won because you're more important characters, your leader mm. or or your objective runners or or what have you yeah. are not taking the fire. And even though he's squishier than Captain America, the the Avengers leader, Avengers Cap, he's still, I mean, 443 is not anything to scoff at. If he's getting targeted, you have the option of saving some power for vibranium shield or using some of the power you just gained from taking those hits. You know, I think you can use him to pose a lot of questions if you're kind of clever about it and figure out how to leverage what he does. Well, like just like you were saying, Jesse, just try to get that 10, 15, 20 dice off every round. Yeah, because at the end of the day, if you're getting more attacks, that's the best thing you can do in MCP. It's not more spenders. It's not more dice necessarily. It's just more attacks overall because you're kind of breaking game state. Obviously, the flurry helps you do that, which is amazing. It makes it when to do I don't like bullies tough because you're like, okay, two strikes just be better than the I don't like bullies because I might just daze them. Or I think I don't like the I don't like bullies, which I think is really cool because it makes sense thematically. It helps you remember it. But I mean, this is your big character ability, right? This is more of a mess them up, not even necessarily daze them, just give them that stun and slow, throw them away medium, get them away from the fight, and then continue to throw stars and stripes strikes on lower threat characters, right? And just clean up the table, right? And I think Cap can do that. I kind of hinted at the start of the strategy section, but let's talk about on your left, how good it is with pay to flips. So absolutely amazing, right? If you've got power and you're on the sword base, you could easily flip three or four sword bases, right? You can flip the whole table. That's crazy. I hadn't even thought about that. That's you need a million power to do it, right? Of course, you need of you course. need three or four ba- sword bases worth of power. So that's three or four, and then you need on your left. But incredible, right? Like that he could, if he start off his turn on a sword base, like he can do a lot of moving to other sword bases. Try to flip yeah. them, move to another one. Try to flip it. Absolutely amazing. He can even do some sort of play pattern where it's like, you know. Is he flips two pay to flips and then throws a stars and stripes strike at someone and maybe dazes them, right? What a great turn, right? On a pay to flip mission. So I think he's a really good piece on Sword Base, on Mutant Madman, because he's got the four physical, on spider portals, because he's got the four energy. 
even on the deadly meteors where, you know, a lot of fight is centralized and he's flipping the energy on those as well. So very cool. It's just funny. Like we don't really have room for him in X-Men because we need all the yeah. X-Men we can get. But I think there's a lot of teams in the game that are really good at pay to flips that we're just seeing less of because people are afraid of X-Men's power on pay to flips. Quite honestly, it's kind of like the Kingpin scoundrels thing. There's a lot of teams that are amazing at scoundrels, but people are like, well, how many criminals are going to be at this tournament? Do I really want to bring scoundrels? You know? So yep. I think Cass always in contention for a good pay to flip member. But once again, he's bound by his power and what he generates on his strikes because pay to flips, of course, cost power to pay to flip. So that is always going to be in his way. And I think the most interesting thing about this character, Chris, is when he wakes up from Ming days, he's going to have a lot of power and he's going to be able to do what he wants to do that turn for sure. And what's interesting about that is when you can do, I've knocked out tyrants over 200 times with ease on a stars and stripes strike, you will get the flurry again. Right. And then you will get more power. And now you're kind of like the engine is going, but unfortunately it's on his backside now. Right. But still that's something you got to be ready to do when you flip him over is you got to be ready to deal with. He's going to wake up and be able to do a lot of things he wants to do. So he reads simple but he's not simple. And I think this on your left opens up a lot of things that might not be apparent just discussing him in the audio format, you know, and a lot of us just getting him to the table and seeing what it's like when a character can get a break the game, get a free move, you know, like before they do their action sort of thing. I mean, we know the power of it on the placements, right? With the web swings and the gamma leaps. And Absolutely. Stuff. So it's, it's neat. Keep in mind, it is an advance on that on your left. So he's still bound by all the terrain rules and stuff. He's not a wall crawler or anything like that. So not as powerful as a place in that way, but very cool. And, you know, I think he's one of the more underplayed characters in this game. And we're going to talk about some places that, you know, shortly that I think you could play him. But before we do that, Chris, we got to talk about his one and only card over the top, unaffiliated and active during an allied Nick Fury in the Helling Commandos or Steve Rogers activation. This could be either Steve, by the way. Very interesting. Love that. It may spend two power to play this card. Choose an enemy character within four of this character. This character may advance its speed towards that enemy character. So once again, advance, It's you, you can end up anywhere on the tool. It's just another free move, essentially. But after the advance, the opposing character may choose a character they control to make an attack targeting the advancing character. If it, of course, meets all the line of sight and range abilities. So... We've seen face me have a huge resurgence in the game where you pull someone towards you and they get to make a free attack on you, but it's just very powerful to pull someone out of position. If you're willing to take the attack, this is kind of like a reverse face me. It might not be as good as face me because it's like, you got to have Steve, you got to do this, you got to do that. But once again, for those kitchen table games, this is another movement on Steve, another one, you know, and you know, the opponent doesn't have to attack you either. It's a may. They might not want to attack Steve and give him power, you know? I think that that's a very, very viable option that mm-hmm. many of you should take. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's fun because the commandos can use it as well just to get, like, guarantee they get to double tap and stuff like that. But it's probably best on Steve because we've talked oh, about yeah. Steve's goal is to double tap and on your left as much as possible. It's just another on your left, man. <laughs> it's just another on your left. This is uh marathon, Steve. I love it. He yeah. is he's running everywhere. He is fit. So that is his character card and his tactic card. But we gotta talk about his affiliation, Chris. And interesting enough, another one of these characters. He's only on one team. He's only on shield. 
Well, let me tell you where we're not going to be talking about him today, and that is Steve Rogers Avengers. That's right. Can't do it. Can't Can't do it. Can't even do it. Rejoice. Rejoice, everyone. Let's talk about the fun, though, and power of him and Sam Avengers, you know? Yes. I know he's not an Avenger, and there's a lot of amazing, amazing four threats in the Avengers team. I mean, some of the best four threats in the game, you just name them. You just randomly name them off, and for some reason, they're Avengers, and they're all affiliated, and they can use the cards. You know, Black Panther, Doctor Voodoo, Vision come to mind immediately. I know he's not one of these characters that's affiliated, but he's fun in Sam because it's more movement. Yes. It's, it's short moves and it's heals, which he desperately needs because he is more fragile. He is he's not a glass cannon per se, but he's definitely not super tanky, right? Yeah, he's he's a bruiser, not a tank. Yeah. So we've established that little bits of healing and little bits of short movement actually benefit him in a huge way. Also, too, the Sam leadership might really catch your opponent off guard, where it's like you daze one of the models on Cap's team and Cap moves short. And then now he goes on his turn. He on your left. So he moves again. And all of a sudden, he's just gone across the entire table and you weren't ready for that. So I think Sam is a very cool spot for him. But I also think while we're at the top of the alphabet, A-Force is a good spot for him, Chris, because of he needs power and he needs to spend it. I just I feel like if you can put that power on him, it is a very solid investment. I think you're going to get a return more often than not, you're going to get a return, a nice return on that investment. Just because the nature of his powers, all they do is give you a little bit more guarantee, a little bit more consistency. He's kind of, he's he can be where you need him to be all the time. He can re-roll his dice if you really need to get that, that, that last damage in or what have you, you know, mm-hmm. if he's got the power to turn the engine on, as you said, during the, ta- uh, the beginning of the tactics, uh, discussion uh, then he could he can cruise man he's he's a good he ramp go. model yeah. yeah yeah and a force is all about ramping so it's pretty clear let's move on to the criminal syndicate so i don't think he, i think he's actually pretty interesting in, in kingpin and i like to see people try it if you have to attack him when he's counting us two he's getting power he's spending his power he's dealing with you and he's still winning that point in counting us two but the more interesting spot in the criminal syndicate is our recent leader modok with the aim leadership i think it's very interesting with him because you're already digging for wilds on all of his attacks in every way. And if Modoc makes, when you get wilds, you get an additional hit. It's just, it's helping him get more power on his stars and stripes because you're already looking for the wild to get the flurry, but also it's just getting him more power. And then too, Chris, you get how you have perfect information before you change that dice with the Modoc leadership in the modified dice step. So I could see, oh, I did. I don't like bullies. I got the wild, but I didn't get the hit for language. Well, now I just turn it with Modoc. got language, you know? So it just gives him a lot of consistency to his attacks. Interesting. Interesting lore there too, is like Modoc making cap work for him and aim, like what that would look like, you know? And, oh, I know. And how the advanced idea mechanics would improve cap to fight better on the battlefield. I, what if it's a life model decoy of cap though? There you go. This could be a clone of some sort, too. Oh, speaking of life model decoys and cat playing in places that might make people feel a little uncomfortable, but we've totally seen it in the canon, mind control, things like clones, like Chris mentioned. Cap and Red Skull Hydra? Yeah. Nasty. Red Skull Hydra is, are you playing the game correctly? Okay, then all your characters are getting more power, right? So with this version of Cap, I think it's actually pretty amazing where it's like, as long as he's on objectives or he's holding objectives, he's Asgardian every power Mm. face, right? So he's always going to have power to do that on your left or potentially that I've knocked out tyrants, re-rolls. Amazing. Um, And it's fun because 
I could totally see the lore of that working, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean... It's happened. Secret Empire, right? Yeah, of course. So in keeping with my fashion I've talked about in recent weeks, characters with powerful superpowers that cost two or three power, where do they fit well, Chris? Where's a team that can just pass them power to make sure they always have their two or three power every time they go? Let me think about it for a second. I think you might have talked about some of this recently. Probably. It's Black Bolts and humans. Always. Always. Because you always have perfect information where you pass the power around. And you could get Captain that three power, two power every time he goes. Well, it's I mean, it's it's the ramp factions, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a force, as you just said. It's it's Red Skull. It's I mean Magneto. Yeah, of course. Same same. It's same story for all these affiliations, right? It, all these ramp affiliations. He's going to be killer. Yeah, and I think the side pivot of that is like within humans is it's kind of like I said recently in our Sam episode. I'm like, you should play Salmon in Humans because he always has his charge or he always has his airlift, right? This cap is the same way. He always has on your left or he always has his rerolls because, you know, the inhuman thing is every time you have a turn, you can pass the power. So, you know, I can have two turns. I can go Lockjaw's turn, pass cap power. I can go Medusa's turn, pass cap power from Lockjaw again, whatever it may be, all before cap's gone, right? So it. It's just making him consistent, and the humans are already very consistent, so the fact that he fits right in there makes a lot of sense, and I think, genuinely, this is one of his best spots. Closing out some places that might be interesting in him for him. So we haven't really talked about him and S.H.I.E.L.D., and I think him and S.H.I.E.L.D. is a tough spot because I think four threats and S.H.I.E.L.D. are just a tough spot in general. They like the threes. like They're just a faction of threes, right? But I do think he fits S.H.I.E.L.D. in an interesting way, where S.H.I.E.L.D.'s very reactive, and Cap's good at being reactive, right? They're a reactive faction defensive faction so the fact that they can play kind of defensive and reactive and cap can kind of do his own thing actually benefits them in an interesting way and it's talking about what chris did earlier with like the questions where it's like oh are you looking at cap well then if you're looking at cap the rest of my team's doing what they're gonna do right and it works honestly but problem is is shield has so many good choices and they don't have a lot of space for four threats they also got agent venom recently and they also love to play Crimson Dynamo for all the reasons. So the four threat slot for them is very strained. Oh, sure. The four threat slot is strained for everybody right now, though. Absolutely. So you take a faction like Shield that already wants to run less four threats, and it just it, it gets narrow and narrow. But I do think he's a fun spot on Shield. And I think, you know, you can do really interesting stuff with the commandos. You can, you can siblings and arms him up before he's gone, you know. Make sure he's always getting those double taps off. You can also use the shield leadership when you're either equal points or ahead to pay one to aggressive with him. Mm, And it's also guaranteeing once again, he's double tapping with those strikes, getting the power he needs to do. Because keep in mind, if you get enough power, you can always on your left at the end of your turn after you double struck. Absolutely. Get out of dodge or get further into the opponent's face. So it is paramount. He gets as many strikes off as he can, honestly. So anything that helps him do that aggressive helps him do that. Other factions help him do that. Very good. Closing out, Chris, this is just a fun pick. And, you know, maybe you'll have to determine how strong this is. But uh oh, now we know that Cap is part of the Weapon Plus program. Where are we going to try him in? It's Weapon X. Memory tokens for him? I think there's a lot of value there because it is such an attrition-leaning affiliation. They've got yeah. they've got some throws. They've got a little bit of control. And, and naturally, you bring in control in some of your splash spots as well. But I think he's a really good option for that because he fits what Weapon X does. And that is throw lots of dice and then... In your face. Yeah, in your face, but then possibly a lot of mobility out of nowhere, right? Yeah. 
because Weapon X can surprise you with its mobility. Just it's usually in spurts though. It's usually a sprint. They're not going to run. They're not going to run around you the whole game like web warriors, Mm -hmm. but they are going to surprise you in rounds three and four by being everywhere they need to be if they're being played well. So I, I think he fits that dynamic really well and even adds to it. I think on the left can be huge in a game with Weapon X, especially when we're talking about an affiliation that runs Logan a lot, you can get a, you can get out of that three while also getting attacks off that same round on that five or six threat that Logan finds himself going against, right? Uh, yeah. Therefore, keeping his re- attack rerolls intact. So there's a lot to think about, and I think that's a really, really fun Mm-hmm. place for him and i think you're going to have to play against me while i do that sometime soon very good also the memory tokens stack with the vibranium shield right yes so you could be rolling a dice on defense if you really want to keep them that's why cable is good in that affiliation if of course if he fits you know five threat hard to do right now yeah and closing out speaking of this character that needs power and stuff like that where do you know we'll close out something very simple dark dimension very cool because Cap and Dormammu's team is always Asgardian. He's always got on, on your left on every turn. So ideally, he, ideally and most likely, he is always double tapping without a doubt in this team. And he's always dumping all his power. So he never sees the negative benefit from Dormammu where you, if you have too much power, you take a damage, which is the downside to the leadership of being so powerful. But, you know, a character with like reroll any number of dice, a character with a free move eats a faction like this up. Like that much power for him is absolutely amazing. And yes, it should not be understated. Obviously, Dormammu is very expensive and cap is four. So starting off 12 threat already. But once again, the theme is very cool of Dormammu mind controlling cap. I mean, let's be real. And cap would be hitting harder in Dormammu's team if he was mind controlled by him. So it's fun. He's a simple character, and these are the these are the main teams I was going to talk about today. There's really nothing else to talk about in the sense of like you could fit him where you want. I mean, there's all kinds of places. Like he's good in Midnight Suns because if you're just outside of that range three, you bump. You're you're very happy to double strike now, and the bump will more than pay for itself, right? So there's there's things like that that make a lot of sense. Obviously, Guardians with rerolls, but these are the interesting places today that I think came up, and I think people should try them in Inhumans in this aim leadership Modoc for sure. And get back to us. Yeah, I want to hear about it. Well, Chris, that's our strategy today of classic cap. The aggressive cap, as Chris dubbed him. He's fun. He's a fun piece that I think is maligned in the game, not because he's bad, but because he has only one team. We we had the same discussion recently about Human Torch, where it's like, he's a good model, but he's only affiliated with S.H.I.E.L.D. That's cap. And I think as the game goes on, we're going to get more characters like that. And I think that's good for the game. I also think that's a good thing for the game. It gives affiliations more identity. Exactly. More individual, you know, less, way less seeing the same three characters splashed in every list. And it's yeah. just about which, which list are you trying to, you know, use to maximize these three characters. It's going to be a lot less of that and, and more of, man, Steve is very good in S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, not very good many other places or maybe just doesn't fit. Very, very many other places, but when he's in shield, it's really good. Less exciting for those that want to collect every release, but yeah, you know, this is, this it's is the though. way the game is going to go. Uh, it's going to be, we're going to be spoiled for choice and it's going to be about making the right choices going into the game and then playing a really good game. So it's only getting Absolutely. more complicated. 
Yeah, no, and I think he's a rewarding character if you learn how to use him in the team you want to use him or in S.H.I.E.L.D. if you want to use him. Unfortunately, he is a little dice dependent because he does live or die by his flurries and how much power generates on his attacks because he does need to spend all of this power so much. But what's cool is like he has no problem spending all his power Like once he gets it. He can just dump it. So, I mean, you're never going to be at that moment where you're like, oh, man, I couldn't spend all my power. Then my opponent dazed me and then I would have gotten a lot more power. I got overcapped. Like that's just never going to happen with him if you're playing him right, because reroll any number of dice, free move, and then even the vibranium shield to top you off. Keep your defenses up. Amazing, right? Like he's got all the things he wants to spend power on all the time. It's just a matter of knowing when to do it and when to play him. And I think if you're coming up on those pay to flips or even some maps that are a little bit more spread he's really going to shine because he can 1v1 a lot of people and he can reposition almost like a web warrior can or something not to that level but like he's quite the runner so you can reposition on the map you can win side remove a model and then completely reposition to another d point or something right and that's cool to have a space where models could do stuff like that i don't think we'll see more of him in the future it's just you know there's so many factors working against him he has one affiliation he's dice dependent he's the second version of a very common named character in the game right there's so many things that just prevent characters from seeing play i mean case in point we've talked about black widow 2 if black widow 1 wasn't in the game of course at black widow we'd be seeing a ton of black widow 2 i think but it's just one of those things where it's like it's a good problem you know it's good problems it's 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 excess choice and like you said chris the decisions they have made in this game and recent year or so making characters only affiliated with a couple teams or one team making characters that are more role players on their teams and that's it that's good for the game there was a time where you just see black panther in every team and that time has gone away right we're seeing all sorts of four threats that people want to play whatever they want to play and it, it works well so the fact that that just comes with time and the game is healthier for it it's one of the positives that have that's come out of this four threat dump that can be pretty frustrating at times but now you don't see the same four threats all the time which is great we thought it was going to be bill when he first came out right bills in every team now no it hasn't been that way not really no because psylocke came and then spider woman came and you know it's just agent venom Ryan exactly. logan just like keep keep naming off all of these good four <laughs> threats that <laughs> gwenpool like now you Skrull now Girl. you you pick the flavor that fits what you're trying to do or your affiliated piece. Yes, exactly. And so they're rewarding you for being all affiliated now too. I do love that. And we've, yeah. we talked about that early on in we the did. course of on, this game waiting this for the show. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very exciting, but hope you guys enjoyed the strategy section of cap. I do think he's a little underplayed. I think you should play him more. I just think the model is really incredible. The model is very good. I mean, I know people even use him as their Avengers cap because it's so good. And I stand by that as well. But yeah, just get him to the table in some way. Fury's Finest is sponsored by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Find us everywhere online. Find us on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch at Fury's Finest. If you need to email us, reach out at furiesfinest at gmail.com and leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us out. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for the music for our show. Like Jesse said, please help spread the word about the show. It truly, truly, truly helps. Every little bit helps. And we thank you all for anything you have done. 
No, absolutely. We're more than three and a half years into this and people continually on a daily basis, Chris, just randomly find the show and find the game. And that's because you guys are out that's there spreading cool. the word. And it also means there's a lot of people out there that haven't heard the show. And we need them to listen because we want to get more people a deeper, richer understanding and excitement about the game. And, you know, hopefully our show can do that. So definitely get it out to all your friends that play the game and people that you want to convert to MCP because we want to grow this community more and more and more. Of course, you can find Chris and I several places online. You can find me, Jesse, everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, Longshanks, and Discord at Jesse Aiken, J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. Check out my Star Wars Shatterpoint podcast. Hello there. A Star Wars Shatterpoint podcast. Everywhere podcasts can be found and on social media at hello there cast chatterpoints right around the corner and we'd love to get you excited with us chris where can everyone find you you can find me on twitter at chris bruffett uh, i am also on Longshanks as chris bruffett strong style on the discord feel free to hit me up that's it well chris another episode in the bag this is a fun one to do cap and we hope you guys will join us and get ready for our next series which will be not shield but we'll be picking up on some shield topics as well, which is very exciting. So until next time, thanks for listening. True believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything will surprise me. Finn Buck says you're wrong. 